Hey, welcome to Life 2.0 Podcast. I'm John St. Augustine. Time to go up the down staircase in the outdoor. Make sense out of the senseless, but all possible. Find the obvious, buried in the absurd. Hold on to your lug nuts. Time for a friggin' overall. Back at it in Life 2.0, I got to do a little behind-the-scenes uh, adjusting with volume and stuff because I've been waiting for a little while for my pal John Barry to get to his microphone. I was keeping busy with uh, quite an array of music. I had, let's see, I had uh, the Four Tops up. I had um, I had uh, Hank Williams Jr. up. I had uh, a little John Denver up. I had some Tom Jones up. I had some Diana Ross up. And I was eating M&Ms at the same time. So I've been busy waiting for my pal to get to his his microphone, but I'm very excited to have him on, as I always am. He's coming back to the Chicagoland area on March 1st, Wednesday, at Hey Nani in Arlington Heights, which is just outside. It's northwest suburb of Chicago. It's a nice little intimate venue, and John was up here last year. He coming back from the lower parts of the Mason-Dixon line to uh, grace us one more time on the stage. He joins me from his home just outside of Nashville. How you doing, friend? Well, if I could get the words out of my mouth, you know, this is my job. <laughs> to talk. To talk. I talk for a living. You know, I never was one of those kids in school where they said Johnny talks too much. Were you like that in school? Um, yeah, I used to be pretty chatty. Yeah, chatty guy. Yeah, I eliminated that. <laughs> and then you started putting music to it and it worked out for you. Well, I started realizing I was talking too much and running my mouth and making a fool of myself most of the time. So. <laughs> Every time I talk to you, I learn something new. But uh, <laughs> yeah. so your last year it was great because the Hey Nani uh, concert was actually uh, something that was postponed during the pandemic and it was rescheduled for last spring. And I remember when you and Robin and Mike came up and and we we connected uh, for sound check, and you were re- regarding how cold it was up here, and it was you know fifty five degrees. And to you, I'm sure that's like you need a, a you know a parka, but uh, expect the same weather, my friend. Yeah, I'll be prepared. <laughs> <laughs> but this is a solo show you're going to be doing, correct? You with your by yourself? Um, I think so. Robin may end up coming with me, but I'm I'm okay. not positive. Okay. So we'll we'll, we'll see. So ever since you were up here last year, I've been hearing about on and off this concert that you did for the last eight and a half, nine months now. People were not prepared. And I, and I think there's a huge difference. And we see this with the Grammys where people are performing on television or on YouTube, which is basically television on our computers and seeing somebody in person and, you know, the comments about your voice and your presence and the stories and and the whole show itself, how you pull all that together, uh, it's a very different experience in, in person. So as you've been out pre- after the pandemic and you're kind of making up for lost time, uh, what's it been like for you to get back on the road as much as you have? Because you've been busy. I have been busy. and It's been good. Um, it's been great to be able to go out and, and actually sing for people as opposed to a computer screen. Because we did a lot of online stuff during mm-hmm. the pandemic. And it's been nice to be able to go out and play for people and visit and hug necks and <laughs> and uh, sign CDs and all that kind of thing. So it's just been terrific. I, I really enjoyed it. You guys just came off a country cruise. Is that right? Yeah. Um, I was a guest of the Grand Ole Opry cruise. Uh, it was terrific. I was going to uh, say I, tough duty, huh? Yeah. Somebody's got to do it. Yeah. 
and uh, just had a lot of, uh, you know, everybody from Randy Owen to Johnny Lee. Oh, geez. Um, uh, you know, uh, my, my, along with myself, uh, Neil McCoy. What, mm-hmm. a, what a great guy he is. Mm. Um, and just, just, a, just a host of others. And it was just had a lot of fun. It was a great time. It was the second time I've done it. Second time. Mm-hmm. You're just really giving your all for the Grand Ole Opry, taking another hit on the yeah. high seas. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I, we did it in uh, uh, 2020 was the last one. And right after we got back, they shut America down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So th- that whole live thing, you know, because I've seen you perform a half a dozen times live, and I'm always amazed. And you've been doing this a long time, so I know for you it's kind of like just plug and play at this point. But do you ever feel like when you're getting on stage, like it's still the first time? I mean, even though you've done so much and accomplished so much, you know, you got gold and platinum records on the wall. I've seen them in your music room. I mean, but still you out there. And it seems to me that it still feels new to you in some way, shape, or form when you hit the stage. Well, it is, and and I love it. Um, <laughs> people, people say, do you get stage fright? And I said, no. I said, my only fear is, is will anybody show up? Hmm. That's my ongoing daily that, that's that's the cross i bear is mm. i just wondering if it you know okay it's gonna be, i can't wait to get there and play will there be anybody to sing for yeah well you know but i, I gotta tell you you know it's you mentioned neil mccoy and johnny lee you know all these guys that had hits back when you did in the 90s and stuff and i johnny lee of course with the urban cowboy and all that mm-hmm. and it seems that there's these ups and downs in just about every aspect of life and one of the things I've always appreciated much for you and Robin and, and when Mike was up here last year that, you know, you have to work it to make it work. Meaning, sure, you're on the Grand Old Opry stage and yeah, you're doing the cruises and yeah, you know, there's that part of it. But then if you don't go out and dig the road, you know, show on the road per se, it, you know, other things don't happen as well. So it, it's kind of both, isn't it? Yeah. And then you have to you deal with the people. Oh, oh, you've already been here? Yeah, maybe, maybe next year. So, so, so I've been there too much now, huh? Okay. I haven't been there enough now. I've been there too much. Come on, help me here now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we don't well, have work that problem. I was going to say, we don't have that problem this year because it's only been twice in the last, I don't know, what, 20 years since you've been up here? So yeah, I think, and, and, and how many people you got there? And Nine million. And what's this place, seat 200? Come on. Yeah, about 200, 250. Yeah. <laughs> we need to move you out to a bigger venue is what you're no, saying? No, 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 no. I, I could just play there once a month and we'd be fine. I like that. I like that. You know, we, you and I talked at one time, maybe it was at dinner or lunch, about the whole Branson thing, how that became such a big deal where, you know, everybody had their own theaters and things like that. And did you yeah. ever think about something like that? Well, I have a theory about that. Ah. I have a perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they got too big. Hmm. That's why they're all gone. They are all gone. Yeah. Uh, it, it costs so much to turn the building on. Yeah. Air conditioning, water, all that stuff. That I'm, I'm sure for, for a time there, they were, they were lined up around the block, you know, but mm-hmm. they don't last forever. And, uh, you know, the, uh, the idea of having a smaller place to me seems to be more mm-hmm. um, long, long-term long more profitable. Yeah. You know, Every, as I said, there's ups and downs in everything. It, you, you know, you could sell a million albums in the next day, nobody remembers your name. And that's just kind of the way the music business is. Yeah. What's been the most difficult part for you over the years in maintaining? Because through the 90s, you had a string of hits. And nothing lasts forever, as you said. But what's what's been the most difficult part of 
um, holding that mantle up for lack of a better term? Well, um, I guess my medical issues. Yeah. You know, that, that's been a huge issue. That's been a huge thing. Um, I had my first number one record, and I had brain surgery that day. Um, with Your Love Amazes Me, my first mm -hmm. number one, May 10th of 94. And I, I, I actually got back to work 30 days later. I was at House of Blues in L.A. Uh, with a teleprompter because I mm. couldn't remember my name. Um, Hold on a second. You went to work a month later using a teleprompter? Oh, yeah. I had a teleprompter for about three months. Wow. Four months. And I have one now. I use one now. Uh, um because I, um, I, I have an iPad with a, all yeah. my lyrics and stuff. Because I, I mean, I, there'll be songs. <laughs> I'll be on stage, and I'll be singing "Your Love Amazes Me," and it and it amazes me that the <laughs> words sometimes come out actually correct. Because <laughs> I'll be singing, and and I'm going into the second verse, and I'm I'm thinking to myself, oh, I cannot remember the next line to save uh. my life. But fortunately, <laughs> it comes out. Yeah, yeah. But, but it's so horrifying. I I have a little teleprompter, but but yeah, we we were out on the road thirty days later. Matter of fact, we had hired a new bass player. John Pearson had come to work with us. Wonderful man, wonderful player. And I'm walking down the street. I'm walking down Sunset Boulevard. The afternoon, uh, bef I guess it was the, the day before. Mm -hmm. I'm walking down the street and I'm by myself, and. He walks by. I don't. I don't recognize him. I, I just met him on the bus right out there. You know, mm -hmm. I, I, and he goes, "Hey, Joan, what you doing?" I said, "Hey, man, how you doing?" I, I thought he's just maybe some guy who knew who I was. I don't know. Right. Kind of kept walking, and he felt someone something went right. So he he turned around and came, jogged back up there to me. He said, "John," he said, you, "You don't you don't remember who I am, do you?" I said, "No, I don't." He said. Yeah, because he got on a bus. It was not. It was late, you know. Yeah. But um, he said, "I'm Sean Pierce. I'm filling in with you on bass and stuff." And I said, "Oh, I'm sorry." I said, I, I, "I don't mean to be rude, but my memory's pretty shot." But um, yeah. And then uh, at least we were just learning how bad it was. Yeah. And he he started to walk away, and I said, "Hey, John," and and uh, he said, "Yeah." I said, "Where um, where, where where's our hotel?" Hmm. And then we realized, we started realizing that, and me calling my management company's office like 50 times a day with the same questions. Jeez. That there were some issues. So anytime I went anywhere, they'd take the room key and and punch a hole in it and put it on my lanyard. Really? On, you know, around my neck. Because sometimes they don't put the name of the hotel. Mm -hmm. They always they had to put the name of the hotel on there and, uh, and, and in case. It's <laughs> like sending a kid to school. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. Because I, I, yeah, I couldn't remember squat, but, but, but ongoing medical things. I, you know, I'm, I'm, medi I'm medically um, deficient, and but, um, the, you know, because you know, I had the brain surgery, and I had a horseback riding accident and broke my, my shoulder and my, my hand, and, and then, um, you know, I had vocal cord surgery yep. in '97, uh, and. And, you know, so there's all, you know, and of course, you know, 2019 yep. had to f face the cancer demon. So, mm -hmm. I mean, and you come through all that stuff. I mean, you know, and people talk about music uh, being something that 
for some people that have some difficulties with memory is easy. People remember lyrics to a song from 50 years ago, but can't remember where we put their house keys. So for you, it's a little different because you perform so much, I would think. Well, it, it, um, having the prompter is good. And, and a lot of times it's just the first word of a line, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's true. But, uh, and I have to pay attention. <laughs> So that's what but it is funny because you know my mother-in-law Robin's mom, uh, sweet Carol, we she passed away last May, uh, and had dementia, and, um, and it was funny. It got to the point where she did not remember. Uh, she'd go there. My wife would go to visit her every day, and there were days that Carol had no idea who she was. She just thought it was this really nice lady who came to see her. Mm, wow. And but Robin would put my music on. And she'd sing every word. Really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> she'd sing every word. Wow. Your love amazes me. Kiss me in the car. She'd just sing. And it's precious, but, you know, it was hard for Robin to have times sure. when, when her mama wouldn't recognize her. But, but you know, music is a powerful thing, man. Powerful. Give me something to believe in forever. 
sitting there listening to that and I had a couple things come to mind. One is, I bet when you and Miss Robin first started dating, she never thought she'd be married to what, what's what been uh, coined now. You're a country music legend. Did you know that? <laughs> that's, that's people with too much spare time. <laughs> but for serious, I can't even imagine. I'm sitting here listening to her voice compliment yours. I'm thinking she could have never known. Well, I don't, I don't. I have a hard time with that word, but um, she um, she adds a lot to what I do. There's no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. Second thing, guys, that came to mind as you're listening to that along with the rest of us on the show, are you the kind of artist that says, I could have done that better, it should have been different, I missed something here? Or wouldn't you hear that, you're like, no, nah, I'm good with it? Um, I'd like to redo it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was, that was that off the Songs and Stories it record? It is. Yep. Yeah. 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 I'd like to redo that. <laughs> well, you're going to get a chance on March 1st. John's going to be at Hey Nani. Uh, it's a Wednesday evening. The uh, concert starts at 7.30 p.m. You can go to www.heynani.com. And by the way, you know where that Hey Nani comes from, John? No. Where does that come Me, from? I had to go look it up because I'm like, what? who names a club Hey Nani? Huh. Hey Nani Nani, or variations of that term, is a nonsense refrain popular in English music during the Elizabethan era. And? Hey Nani Nani is also a 1932 American musical with music by William C.K. Irwin and lyrics by Michael H. Cleary and others. That's all I found. <laughs> and for some reason, they decided t- to call the club Hey Nani. Hey Nani. And uh, yeah, so we'll go with that. Anyway, oh. March 1st, 7.30, the tickets are at www.heynani.com, and there's a whole list of uh, your seating options and opportunities there. And You know, we had dinner there before the last show, and by the way, if yep. you go early, it's fantastic. The food is incredible. Yep. The owners are great people. There's easy parking, so there's no reason not to turn the TV off for one night and yeah, come out and see JB on, on stage. Yeah, and you get in there, and you can't you know, wait waiting to get order, order in and nobody's coming to your table just go hey nani <laughs> or hey johnny nani yeah hey johnny nani hey johnny nani that's a whole nother show so the first time <laughs> i ever heard your one of your songs and I, I love telling this story to people when they ask me about you and your music 1996 i had i was in a major shift in my life major uh, transition. I was moving from Chicago. I w- moved to Upper Michigan. My family was really young at the time. We were living in a motel. I had nothing going on. I thought I had failed everything. And it turned out sometimes I think the Almighty moves us in places and puts puzzle pieces in place we can't see. And you have to go through the ringer in order to get clean on the other side. So I was in that place. He does pla- that. Correct? He does that. Yes, sir. And so... Um, I was in this place, and one late night, I was up watching the television. We were living in rooms 9 and 10 at the Little Hillcrest Motel in Upper Michigan on U.S. Highway 2. There's about 75 feet of snow on the ground, and my family is asleep in the other room. And I'm up late watching some music TV show, country music TV show, and this guy pops up, and it's a video. It looks like a bunch of construction workers buying lottery tickets, and 
I'm like, what is this? And I turned this on and, and um, this is what I heard. And we'll come back on the other side to talk about it. Rosie never was one for turning heads She was just always kind of there She had a few nice features more or less No red ribbons in her hair But since that Jessie's been coming to the diner Folks are saying that she never looked finer You ought to hear the Wishing they hadn't been so blind She's taking a shine to light Now there's a sparkle in her eye They all missed a gem, a diamond within She's taking a shine Oh, yes, she has Rosie hardly ever missed a bit of work Never took vacation days Home of the diner It was all the same to her She didn't know any other way But each afternoon now She starts to come alive Cause Jessie's there each day To pick her up at five You ought to hear them say She's taking a shot Wishing they hadn't been so blind She's taking a shine light Now there's a sparkle in her eye They all missed a gem, a diamond within She's taking a shine Oh, what a little love can do Wishing they hadn't been so blind She's taking a shine light Now there's a sparkle in her eye They all missed a chill, a diamond within She's taking a shine She's taking a shine That's what I said when I watched that video. I said, well, thank you. Thank you very much for that. It was <laughs> very late at night. I wasn't in the best place uh, emotionally and spiritually for sure. And your voice was so different back then as it is now f that I had been used to hearing in country music. Uh, but tell folks about how that video got made and, and how much fun you guys had doing that. So I found out early on in my career that making videos is just 
uh, it's painstaking for me because of they just want to keep doing more and more takes, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, I I discovered that to make it a fun day is to involve people, the extras in the video, mm-hmm. people that I know. And I discovered that on the video for um, She's Taking a Shot. Mm-hmm. All, the, all the construction workers are band members and bus drivers. <laughs> and one of the constructors, the pretty one, is my wife. That's right. And so my wife's in the video. And um, so we just had a great time. And we did the same thing on Change My Mind video. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was just it was just a lot of fun and, and just made it made the day go a lot quicker. And uh, what's really funny, though, is if people watch the, the video for She's Taking a Shine, I did let the director know that um, I'm good for one day. We need to get, get, get all your secondary shots mm. next day if you have to, but I... That's uh, all I got in mm-hmm. one day. Well, we finished it up and got everything done. They said, well, tomorrow we're going to get together and we're going to shoot the out where you guys drive away together. And I said, um, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> and so if you notice that the, the, the last um, very end video, I'm not, at the, I'm not in the end of the video. So Yeah, that's right. That's right. Here's your tri- John Barry trivia for today. And I'm amazed over years that uh, how things progress in people's lives, and how their careers go, whatever it may be. And you've, as you mentioned, went through this cancer thing in 2019. Uh, I remember you guys were up here right, be- right before that diagnosis. And you, if you're familiar with the Chicago area, people listening in this region will know this. The Woodfield Mall is is northwest of Chicago. It's one of the, it used to be the largest mall in the country. It's not anymore. Uh, but we, you tend to stop there on some of your routes and park the bus. And we, we were kind of chit-chatting on the bus with, with Mr. Smith and uh, Bentley the Wonder Dog. And uh, mm-hmm. this was prior to your, your cancer thing. And I was asking you about uh, how you were feeling and stuff. You said, I'm just doggone tired. I know, I'm just flat out. And I know that this is a grueling schedule. But when I look back on it now, I thought maybe that was part of the indicator that things were kind of changing for you at that time. Yeah, we, we probably were on Christmas tour. Yep, yep. And um, Which you've been doing for how many years now? Uh, this 27? Coming up, this coming up season will be 27. Wow. And we, um, uh, I had uh, been to the doctor prior to Christmas tour. I actually recorded the CD um, Thomas Road right before Christmas, and which has... Uh, uh, Thomas Road and mm-hmm. Beautifully Broken and mm-hmm. The Richest Man, uh, yeah. as well as some others. And um, and then I did the entire tour, had a tickle in my throat. It's driving me crazy. Uh, I explained it felt like a skin of a Spanish peanut stuck in my throat. Very specific. Very specific, exactly what it was like. And uh, I went to see my doctor before the tour, and they said, oh, it looks like you got a tonsil infection. They put me on a round of antibiotics. Midway through the tours, getting no better, put me on another round of antibiotics. Got home, and um, I said, I need to look in the mirror and see what I see here. And I get a flashlight, and I look in the mirror, and I shine that light down my throat, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, my tonsil, look at that. Hmm. I, said, I said, Robin, come here, look at this. So she came in there, and she gets a flashlight. What, what, what? I said, look at my tonsil. And she, ste- she looks at it, she steps back, she goes, 
My God, that looks like a tumor. Jeez. Little did we know yeah. it was a tumor. So I literally had a tumor growing out of one of my tonsils, and it was tickling the back of my throat. And um, so I got to go. I went in to see a specialist, Doctor Spire. I walked into Doctor Spire's office. He said, "John, good to see you again." I'm like, "What? Mm. Like, when, when did I see you the first time?" Yeah. He said, oh, "You won't remember." He said, "1997. You had vocal cord surgery with Doctor Ossoff." I was an intern on your procedure. So there was instantly this level of, okay, Yeah, I'm with somebody, at least the guy knows what to do for a living. Everyone's voice is important, but at least he understands this is how I make a living. And um, we talked for a few minutes. He asked me a few questions. I gave him the whole peanut skin explanation. And uh, he said, well, let's take a look. And he turned his little flashlight on, looked down my throat for about two seconds, turned his light off, and he says, I've been doing this a long time. We're straight shooters around here. That's throat cancer. And that was it, mm. just like that. Mm. And you could have pushed me over with a feather, like, yeah. as they say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I expected a lot of things, but cancer never, never was one of them. Yeah. You guys uh, got out ahead of that. I remember there was a video that you and Robin did from your house, and you kind of just said, here's what's going on, folks, yeah. and we need your prayers, we need your help. That energetic exchange you know, that you have with your fan base, which is enormous and, and widespread, and uh, you know, I, I, one of my favorite parts of the concerts that I've been to that you perform is kind of just watch the people watch you because they're looking at you and you're looking at them and it's kind of this lean-in, love-in experience. But was it difficult for you guys to, to put that out in the world the way you did? Yeah, yeah, but we, we didn't want to... Um, we weren't doing it for sympathy. We were, we, we were doing it just because we wanted to tell the story. We didn't want there to be any misinformation or anything like that. We wanted to tell our friends and fans what was going on, what we're facing, and we'd appreciate their thoughts and prayers. So, Yeah, and it all obviously went well because you got to ring the bell, and you're not still living on those orange shakes from Arby's, are you? Was it Arby's? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, unfortunately, they don't have them this time of year. Yeah. <laughs> um, but if anybody's looking for a good, good recipe, it's simple. Fanta orange and vanilla ice cream. <laughs> It's my favorite thing. I could ever. tell. <laughs> I, 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 I tried to get Arby's just to send me a machine or send me some boxes of mix. Yeah. <laughs> we got to work on it. The Arby's tour. That's, That's what we need. We need to pull that together. Yeah, starting in April. Coming <sighs> to a town, coming to an Arby's near you. <laughs> now, see, we got to forget Branson. Just play Arby's. That's it. Across like the it. country. <laughs> we'll pay in <laughs> milkshakes. <laughs> so last year we had a lot of fun uh, at the Hey Nani event. This year, it's March 1st, 7.30. Tickets, www.heynani.com. Fantastic venue, fantastic food, fantastic people. But last year, we had an interesting little thing set up because it was the 25th anniversary of our pal John Denver's passing. And we did some songs. Well, you did songs. I spoke. And uh, the fact that they're even asking you back after me singing on stage is beyond my <laughs> comprehension. But it wasn't half bad, and I had a lot of fun doing it. It's not something I thought I would ever do. It was uh, 
it was kind of an homage to this guy who both of us, you and I think, had made a big impact on the world, not just musically, but as a humanitarian. Oh, and yeah. so when you, when you uh, are performing, and I've heard you say this a few times, privately as well, that you kind of feel, you know, if I could just channel a little JD tonight, that's that's a good thing. Do you feel like sometimes that, or, or I should say, how do I say it? You're just kind of the conduit, the muses coming from somewhere else, helping you get through all this stuff, whether it's him or somebody else, or just the music gods in general? Well, I, I believe that God gave me the ability to sing and and to convey a song. Um, a lot of time, One of the greatest compliments I've ever gotten is someone comes up to me and they said, that that you, um, he said, I didn't know you wrote that song, whatever it might be, mm-hmm. and um, and I was like, well, I didn't write that. That was so and so. You've heard them singing on the radio. They said, oh, I, I thought maybe they just sang the song, but but it just feels like you you wrote that. Uh. And there's no there's no greater compliment to to be able to sing one someone's song and them to um, feel that it it comes that from that deep a place inside of you. That they people feel like you wrote it. So. When you're doing something like Heart of Gold that Neil Young made, obviously famous around the world, your rendition is powerful and 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 it's your own. Do you feel kind of like um, it's a daunting task to pull something like that off, or you just go right into it? Well, you know, of course, that one I've been playing since I was 13, so I've got a few <laughs> years on that yeah, one. Yeah. Um, but there, there are some that are a little daunting, you know, on this, I got a record that I did, uh, this time last year with Steve Dorff. Yes. Uh, Steve is a, a wonderful producer and arranger and writer and, um, piano player. And he's written so many songs for other artists. It's, it's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. But he produced this record and it, it's a, a collection of old great gospel hymns and, um, a couple of new songs as well, but but most of it is old classic gospel hymns. Mm-hmm. And we did it with a small band and a, a string orchestra, 45-piece string orchestra. And it came out just lovely. But when we were getting ready to record, he said, you know, we really need one more song. And he, he, he sent me a text. He said, I think you ought to say, I think you ought to do How Great Thou Art. Oh, wow. And, and I'm like, oh, no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> And he said, why not? He said, you could sing that. He said, it'd be great. And I said, I said, man, that's a lot of pressure to put on a song. There have been so many yeah. amazing versions of that song. This song that has spoke to generations of people and, and, and spoke to their hearts about their creator. And, and uh, I just felt really intimidated, intimidated about recording that song. And, but we ended up uh, um, recording it, and, and and he helped me come up with a good version of it, and mm. I got me a good Elvis ending in there and everything, uh. so it's, it came out good. Oh, Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder Consider all the worlds thy hands have made. I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. 
You know, one of the things that I have always appreciated most about your music and your performance is that you seem to walk the line, and not in a Johnny Cash way, but in a way that <laughs> you you can sp- you have the ability to uh, sing to all audiences. I know that you've done a lot of uh, Christian music and a lot of gospel music and country music, and as alluded to a little bit ago, you think you're James Brown at sometimes, <laughs> but you seem to be able to have this universal voice for things and. Sometimes it's hard to put in a category. Sometimes it gets overlooked, but I think it's a it's a rare thing in in the business these days when everybody's in a slot somewhere. Yeah, and they uh, can't they, they can't find a slot for me. Right, right. So it's hard <laughs> to find a slot for John Barry. But you you continue on with all this. So in the last minute or two, you know your thoughts on on that universality of your of your message and your music and the voice that you've been given. Well, I I, I love doing it. I love to. Um, to share music that means a lot to me. Um, whether it be some of these great love songs like You and Only You or Your Love Amazes Me or Standing on the Edge of Goodbye that, that, that talks about trying to, to save a relationship or, or songs about my faith. You know, just songs that I love about subjects that I love to sing about and, uh, and hopefully be able to convey them in a way that the listener will really feel what I'm trying to say. So not just hear it, but feel it. Yeah, the perfect venue to do that is March 1st at Hey Nani, Arlington Heights, 
just outside of Chicago. The show starts at 730. www.heynani.com is where you can get tickets. It's going to be, it's already, they're already selling the best seats are gone already. It is a small venue, holds two, 250 people, something like that. So it's well worth the, uh, the time and the effort to get in there. And like I said, take a break during this hectic times that we live in and uh, listen to a guy who really brings a lot of joy to folks. John, I can't wait to see. It'll be uh, great to uh, have you in Chicago again. It's going to be great to be back there. I'm looking forward to it and looking forward to seeing you and hopefully we can go have some lunch. You want to go to Portillo's? Get a hot Come dog? Come on, let's go. <laughs> you know I do. I know you do. All right, brother, we'll see you soon. Okay, pal. It's been a long time since I've held her close And we've misplaced feelings that we used to know Thought I could see between the lines I read But I wasn't ready when she turned through my mind And I found myself back in a simpler time Just two young kids running on fire and drink Then in her eyes I realized she was calling out to me
Thank you so much.